Isn't it incredible what's been happening? It was, it was a real blessing to be part of what happened on Friday when we went up to Karaburi. And it's just incredible to see how these principles, as we put them into practice, how God is just honoring His Word, how He's just honoring as we are blessing, as we are blessing the, the cities, as we are blessing people, as we are speaking peace over the lost, how we are seeing fruit of it come. And I believe tonight that God wants to, to bring a word to us and something that He's put on my heart for quite a while of, you know, continuing as we are looking at these principles of transformation. And, you know, we are putting these principles into practice, but it's so important to also just check as we are outwardly working these principles, to check how we are before our God in heaven. You have the aspect of coming to God, interceding for man before our Lord, and then actually going out on behalf of, on behalf of God to man. And tonight I really want to have a look at the, the powerful weapon that we have of prayer and how we approach our Father in prayer and the importance of this. Because as we outwork this with blessing and speaking peace over the lost, we really need to continually check where our hearts are. And so we're going to have a look at a couple of keys to powerful and effective prayer. And how many of you know that prayer is a powerful weapon? Amen. But it's also so important how we yield this powerful weapon, how we use this powerful weapon. And so tonight, I really want to look at approaching the Lord and how we approach Him and these two keys. There's two keys we're going to have a look at. And nothing is better than the word of our Lord Himself. When He was here with us, He, he spoke a prayer and He taught us how to pray to our Lord in heaven. And if we're going to have a look right now at, if you turn in your word to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 13. And we're going to have a look at what is known as the Lord's Prayer, but actually it is a prayer that he, he taught his disciples to pray, which is us. And it says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven also our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in the very first two lines of this prayer, there are two incredible keys that we really need to make sure are present in our lives when we approach our, the throne of God in prayer. When we intercede on behalf of these people that we're wanting to bless, and these two keys are approaching him as our father, which has to do with love. And the second one is about revering him as holy, which has to do with the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to particularly focus and concentrate on the second one tonight about the fear of the Lord. We hear a lot and we preach a lot and we live the love of God. It's essential. Without love, we do gain nothing. But there's another important aspect, which is to do with the fear of the Lord. And we're going to have a, a look at that in a bit more detail. So first, let's have a look at approaching our God as Father. You see, when we approach the throne of God, we would generally do it with one of two different mentalities. 
And we will see him as one of two different things. We will either approach him as that of a child of God or as that with a mindset of a slave. We will either see him as our father or we will see him as master. The word says that when we first come to know the Lord, we, he, we become new creations in Christ. You know, our hearts, our spirits come alive to God. And it's called a new creation. We become new creation. And we become children of God, having been in the past slaves to the world. But learning to walk in this new identity as a child of God, learning to think and have our minds renewed as a child of God, to seeing our, seeing our God as our Father, takes time. And it takes time to, to walk in that. And it's something I know I've personally really, and I still have to continually catch my thought life. There's an incredible passage in Romans 8 verse 15, which kind of sums this up, it looks at it. And it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, that's us, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And Abba Father literally means daddy. Literally does mean daddy. And it's really important, particularly as we have earthly fathers, and you know, some of you may never have known your earthly father, or you've had experiences where you've been disappointed or hurt. And so when we come before God, we find it very hard to look at him as our father. But I believe God tonight, you know, wants to stir something in our hearts about making a resolve there to actually say, God, I do, I want to know you as my father because it makes a huge difference when it comes to actually approaching him in prayer. You see, the prayer of a righteous man, it is powerful and it is effective. But there's, it's to do with the righteous man's heart. And that's to do with seeing our God as our father. And maybe you do see God as your father. But sometimes when you, you come, you come, you find it hard to to continually walk in that because it's something, you know, we come to God, we see, we pray, we ask Him for things because we're told to ask our Father and our Father wants to give us good things, right? And then we don't see those prayers answered and we get disappointed and we think, what's wrong with us? Maybe I'm not really a child of God. Maybe, you know, I've got to earn it. I've got to do something to be more like a child of God and, you know, and it's something that we constantly have to look at. And I believe God wants us to check our thought life constantly. And I know it's something that I made a resolve to do a while back, to actually continually reassess my thought life. Is this the thought of a child of God? Or is this one of a slave mentality? And I, as I continually do that, I found it very, very helpful to realign myself back to the truth. Because you see, the mentality of a child of God, when he or she approaches their heavenly father is one of a child that asks, seeks, and knocks, yet a slave will beg. A child can be confident to approach the father at any time, yet a slave has to wait for permission. A child can be secure in the, that the father will respond in the best way for us, but a slave may not know how the master will respond. A child is free 
child of God, the father is free, but slaves are bound. Children are in the father's household because of love. Slaves are in there because of duty. And children, having a mentality before the Lord as a child of God, we can know that we have an inheritance in God. But a slave will receive only enough to live on. And so I want to encourage you tonight, not just now, but when you leave, maybe tonight you need to make that resolve. I'm going to continue to check my thought life, what I'm thinking, when I'm struggling financially, or when I'm praying for the lost, when I look to heaven and I come to pray before my God, do I really come with the mentality of that of a child of God? No matter what you've experienced, that is open to every single one of us. And there is power in that. And it's to do with seeing our Father as a Father who loves us. And it's love that is the power. It's love that nailed Jesus to the cross. And we need to be aware of that tonight. We really need to be aware of that. And there's the other aspect of looking at and revering our God, our Father, as holy. And this has to do with the fear of the Lord, as I mentioned earlier. You see, without the fear of the Lord, we can see our, our Father as a bit of a, a Father who just gives us whatever we want when we want it. You know, a, a sugar daddy, someone who will just, we go to him, we ask, but then when we don't get, we can, you know, start to grumble in our hearts. And there's a very, very important aspect of seeing our Father who is who he truly is. And that is as holy. There is an incredible passage in Leviticus which God has really spoken to me about through last year. And it's in Leviticus 10 verse 3. And it says, By those who come near me, I will, and in some versions it actually says, I must be treated as holy. And before all people, I will be honored. So, Drawing close to our God as, as Father is more than just to do with love. If we really want to draw near to Him, we need to also see Him as holy. Because although it is true that without love we gain nothing, it is possible to love our God, to see Him as Father, to righteously desire to walk in the ways of God, but without the fear of the Lord, we can still walk in sin and disobedience. How many of you have known that to be true? You've loved God, but there are certain areas that you struggle with to do with sin, that you struggle to walk, to, to push aside out of your life. And again, this is something that takes time. And we're going to look at how we can walk in the fear of the Lord and what is required for that. But first of all, I want to just allow us just to take a bit of time now to consider the awesomeness of our God. I love it in the Word when you read the Word, and you often see it in the Psalms, where David will say, consider. Consider the greatness of our God. Because as we consider things, as we start to make the process of considering the greatness of our God, we start to revere, to honor, to respect God in His infinite nature. The fear of the Lord doesn't have to do, it's not to do with being scared of God. It is to do with revering our God, our Father's infinite nature. 
the nature that cannot be put in a box. The awesomeness of our God. So let's just have a, a look at this. And I, as I've been really enjoying putting this together. And I work with, with the body. I work, with, um, I work in health and fitness. So you know that I am constantly seeing and helping people with their health and to move. So the body fascinates me. And when I studied, and even now when I look at um, different books on how the body works, physiology, I am fascinated at the incredibleness of the body. Because though there have been incredible leaps and bounds in medicine and understanding of how it works, still there is so much unknown, so much that leaves us going, wow, only an incredible God could have created this. Let's just have a look at the heart. The heart is an incredible organ. It is the size of your fist. It is about the size of your fist. It is a muscle. And every day, the heart will pump approximately 1,500 gallons of blood around your body. And that is equivalent to enough power to drive a car about 20 miles. Pretty incredible. And that's just one person's body. This same heart will beat approximately 100,000 times to shuttle these gallons of blood around the body to what we call little, to what we call blood vessels. Now these blood vessels, there's a, they have chains and branches of blood vessels all around the body. And if these blood vessels were to be put aside and stretched out in one long line, scientists have worked out that they would stretch to a length of about 60,000 miles. It's approximately two times around the globe. Isn't that incredible? And that's one person's body. And I mean, this is our God. He is in such, in all the detail of things that man can still not fathom it. And then if we were to look at just the greatness on the, 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 the largeness of the universe, we see even more the glory of our God that we cannot fathom. And I was looking and I was reading about some Australian astronomers who recently um, wanted to, to look in the visible universe about the number of stars that could approximately be there. And we're still talking approximately. And we see, um, I mean, I like this passage actually before I go into that, about from, from David, where it says, again, about considering. The psalmist says, when I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. So we're going to consider the heavens, the earthly heavens, the heavens we see in the universe. And these astronomers in Australia, they have incredible instruments nowadays. I mean, David didn't even have these instruments to consider these things. But nowadays, there's, there's technology um, for astronomers to actually look at um, and see into the universe into deeper measure. And they, they worked out, and they were able to bring before the Astronomical Union Conference in Sydney a number that they believed would be present in the visible universe, number of stars. And it was 70 sextillion, 
which is a seven with 22 zeros added on to the end of it. Now, this number fits on this screen. So it can be quite a number that we think, yeah, okay, this can be fit on the screen. But let's just try and consider this size of this number. If we were to take what we would say is called one quotillion, which is only 18 zeros instead of 22 zeros, so it's a lot smaller number of stars. If we were to count from one every second, two, three, four, five, all the way up to one quotillion, it would take you 32 billion years. Isn't that amazing? We're talking about the incredible size, the incredible numbers on the expanses in the heavens of God's universe. And it just blows, blows my mind away when we actually start looking at it. Even when you start to look at the, the distance and the size of the universe. The speed of light is approximately, in miles per hour, 670 million miles per hour. If you went at that speed to the sun, it would take you eight minutes. If you went to what they know as the furthest star in our galaxy, it would take you approximately 50,000 years. If at that speed you wanted to then travel to the next galaxy, it would take you two million years at that speed. And yet the word says that our God, our heavenly Father, holds the universe in the palm of his hand. This is the glory of our Lord. This is the holiness, the awesomeness of our God. And we must not forget that when we approach him in prayer. He is mindful of us and calls us to approach him as the children of a heavenly father. But he wants us to see him as holy because it is this holy God that says, I want to unite and partner with you and you and you and you to bless and change and transform this nation. Isn't that amazing? This is our God. There's one more scene that I want you to consider. And this is a scene that I have gone over and over and over in my heart many, many times. And it's the, in the throne room of heaven in Revelations 4. And I'm amazed at how the Apostle John was even able to put into words maybe a little bit of this. And he still can't. You know, he still couldn't. He says, when he talks about the Lord and he says, you know, what appears to be, what seemed like, what kind of reflected, because he couldn't put the glory of the Lord into words. And we see that before the throne of our God, our Heavenly Father, there's these living creatures. Many believe that these are holy angels. And day and night from beginning of eternity until the end of eternity, they cry out, all the time, day and night, holy, holy, holy.